y'all. Greetings, fellow geeks, and welcome to another episode of Geek Broadcast, a podcast where three bras discuss anything and everything geeky. I am one of your hosts, Lauren, and with me on this geeky journey are two of my closest friends. Christina, how are you? What's up? Not much, my friend. And we have Katie. Cheers, everybody. What's going on? How's everybody doing? We're just living the dream, Laura. Living the dream. Sitting <laughs> here talking to each other and perhaps we have cocktails this week. <laughs> it's a Monday for us three, so perhaps. <laughs> it's those Monday <laughs> those Monday blues, I think. Yeah. But we have a lot uh a lot of fun to talk about today. Um Falcon Winter Soldier episode five, the call truth. So yeah, uh, let's just dive into it, kids. This is what you're here for. So Falcon Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. Start with overall thoughts. Kind of the calm before the storm, in my opinion. So slow in the action, besides maybe the obviously the beginning of the episode. But after that, it was kind of a slow, heavy themes, heavy storylines episode, which I dug. I, I'm I'm all for the storylines and the deeper themes in the show that they're giving us, which we'll probably talk about later on. Uh, a big Sam episode. I love that we kind of dived into Sam's character a lot in this particular episode. Uh, we got some Bucky stuff. Uh, we got some Sharon stuff. We got a new character uh, that Julia Louise Dreyfus plays. We have a lot of cool stuff happening in this episode. Again, not action-packed, but very kind of calm before the storm, getting ready for that finale, because that finale is going to be insane, as we will probably talk about for sure. So overall thoughts, Christina, what were your overall thoughts on this episode? I, I thought it was action packed. It was like the action I wanted and needed in this episode. Um, can I share with you what my very first note is that I wrote down, though? Am I allowed to swear today? Okay. I'm getting nodding. So, yes. Um, yes. Go so ahead. my very first thing I wrote down was Walker equals punk ass bitch. Um, <laughs> and I, that was like first reaction. I do this thing with every episode where I kind of sit back and do first reaction and I hit pause after like the first few minutes. And that is what my, my reaction was. Um, yeah, I needed that action at the beginning. I think last week we spoke about the fact that we knew we were going to open fast in this week's episode. And then it did kind of level out, um, give us the story that we needed tied a lot of I think we had a lot of answers happen this week where I think episode six um, I don't know what runtime is on it I'm guessing it's going to be a, probably about an hour um, I think it's going to be big it's going to feel like a Marvel movie I think um, knowing you know the budget that they had on this and how they spent the budget and yeah, I think this one's going to feel like we're in the theater and I'm I'm here for it and I'm excited about it. And I think episode five, though, was was fantastic. And it gave us some tie ins that we really needed going into the final one. I think everything we talk about every week is when are we going to tie these characters together? How is the story going to work out? And we got a lot of that in this last episode. Yeah, I know. 100 percent agree. Like I said, it was a lot of story driven stuff this week, which I love. And we'll, you know, we'll dive into all that uh, later on. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a good episode in those terms, for sure. I, I agree with you, Chrissy. Like it had action in that sense of 
building, world building, and building around these characters that we have been absolutely falling in love with. Um, Katie, your thoughts on this episode overall? Yeah, for the most part, this was the Sam and Bucky show this this uh, this episode, and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching their friendship just grow even more, and their character development grow even more. And as Torres put, uh, sometimes there's nothing to do until there's something to do. So this was a very much, <laughs> there's not really anything to do just yet as far as the action and the, the you know, the two sides clashing. Um, this was, this was a lot of, uh, development still. And I really, I really did enjoy it, even though, you know, we got that, that little burst of burst of energy in the beginning. And we certainly got a lot more, um, John Walker character development. They uh, called back in the in the intro, you know, the previously on, uh, and called back to Lamar's line that power just makes a person more themselves. And when we talk about John, I feel like the serum has definitely made him more himself uh, and more in his head. There, there is a lot to unpack in that poor man's head. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, John Walker will definitely ease a topic of discussion this week. So, yeah, he he went through so, through a lot this this week, and again, kind of big character things happened with him, and it's where it leads to. I think is going to be very interesting. But I want to first start with Sharon Carter. So we don't get a lot of her this week, but we got a little snippet. And I like the little snippet we got because, again, it builds on this mystery of is Sharon the power broker or not? And I know you two are, I think, on the wavelength of she probably is the power broker or obviously attached to the power broker uh, themselves. Here's here's kind of where I'm at with it after this episode. So in this episode, we see her talk to uh, George's uh, Batroke, who is the character that we've seen in the Winter the Winter Soldier movie. In the beginning of this season, we see this character who Sam goes after uh, in the very first episode, in the very first scenes. So she's on the phone with him talking business. And talking about how she'll double what she gave him last time and things like that. And we know that later on in the episode, we see this character with Carly, which we'll talk about later. And what he is doing with Carly, helping her out because he wants to get back at Sam for ruining that job in the beginning of the the beginning of the season. So this this is what this tells me, I think. Sharon is definitely connected to the power broker. I don't think she's a power broker herself. And my reasoning is that if she was, she wouldn't be helping Carly with getting these, I'm assuming explosives uh, is what we saw in that towards the end of the episode with Carly and uh, George's conversation. But if she was a power broker, I would think she would have him go after Carly and not so much helping Carly. Because obviously we know the power broker wants the serum back, which we know that's not going to happen because Walker took the last one and all the other ones Zemo destroyed. So my thing with Sharon is she's definitely connected to the power broker. I don't think she's a power broker herself. I think the character who we 
is my kind of lead power broker is now Julia Luce, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character Vale. I I guess this is just I know you're both shaking your head no, but my gut tells me this only because of this. That character in the comic books is uh, Val that she plays is an uh, is a former Shield I don't know former Shield agent or worked very closely with um, Nick Fury and was very high up like Nick Fury in Shield. So I think she would be a type of person that can make moves like that in Madripoor and become this powerful person, knowing things that she knows from shield. And that's why maybe her and Sharon are together doing stuff or why Sharon is as important. She as she is in Madripoor because she knows who the power broker is because they're ex shield, just like she is. Again, this is just my thoughts. I know you guys will probably not agree with me and that's okay. This is why we're having these discussions, but Chrissy, I'll start with you. So Sharon overall, where you're at with her and kind of what you see happening. I don't know that um, Sharon's helping Carly. I don't know that her hiring him is to benefit Carly. Um, I think it was you just don't a see what happens. Sure. I think it's right. a business deal. Yeah. Um, but I think we see what happens. She hired him again, which means this time double the money. So what point did she hire him before? We've met him multiple times throughout MCU, if we're thinking that it was at the very beginning of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it would make sense, um, which tells me she's brokering in people. We already know she has a brokerage house. She is now brokering in people as well. Um, So I think there is a possibility that she is using him to get to Carly and he Carly may think she's being helped by him, but that may not be the case. He just wants, he just wants Sam, which we know isn't going to happen because I will quit Marvel. I will quit you so fast. Don't even play with my emotions. You do it enough. Um, So no, I think that Sharon is, is very powerful. I do not think that Vale is the power broker. Um, We know what she is going to lead. She was dropped into the series last minute. She was not intended to be part of this series. She was actually supposed to be in black widow, which we know got bumped. So she is not going to be a substantial storyline. Now, a lot of Falcon and winter soldier was rewritten because of COVID and our, Things going on socially in our world. So they went back and they rewrote the series before they filmed it. Um, and so changed quite a bit of, of the, the the things that were happening, not the end game, but what got to that point. So she was a lay in because they were they wanted to introduce the character pre Black Widow. Um, I don't think that we're actually going to see her at all in episode six. I think that's all we see her until we move on. So um, I think that Sharon is still Sharon. If I, I if I'm a gambling person, and I'm at the casino. I've still got highest money is on Sharon as a power broker. But that doesn't mean we've actually met the power broker yet. So if Sharon is not, then we clearly are going to meet the power broker in a few days. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think. Introducing Val now is interesting, like you said. And I I didn't know I didn't know about them writing her in at the last minute, but 
that's interesting because she I, I did hear that she was supposed to be in Black Widow and probably maybe connected to that whole House of Red or whatever uh, Black Widow is a part of that whole kind of all female assassin crew. So that would be interesting. Um so we'll see. I mean, it was a cool, it was a cool cameo for sure. I would love to see her again because I love, uh, I love Julia Louise Dreyfus. I think she's amazing, and the fact that she's in a Marvel something is awesome. <laughs> I just, I love all that. You know so how Katie, we feel about Marvel casting. Been perfect. You can't hate been perfect. it. Perfect. They've not messed it up yet. Nope. Get it every time. Every time they do, they do. So, Katie, I'll, I'll go to you, Sharon, your thoughts. Do you still think she's a power broker when, you know, this whole Val character, where you're at with it? I still think Sharon is high up in Madripoor society. I mean, obviously, because she's, you know, she has the status that she has and she has all of the trappings that go along with that. And I think I could be honestly persuaded that she might be trying to balance the power broker she might be trying to to usurp maybe take over a little bit of that power um i I still don't think i'm still not sold that she's a power broker but i think she if i don't know i'm I'm kind of conflicted on it i definitely don't think that val is a power broker i will tell you who i who val reminded me of immediately um amanda waller in uh in suicide squad viola davis's character in suicide Ooh, squad. that's a good call that's a good you call. know if we're putting on our tinfoil hats gang um, <laughs> they could in the comic book series and i did have to do a little research because i i knew of this but i didn't know all of the details there are characters in black widow who have ties to um the basically Marvel side of Suicide Squad, which is called the Thunderbolts, I believe. Yeah, and that's they, what um, uh, Walker's character is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and the fact that she came in and talked to him in the way that she did, that you've got that serum now, you are very important to people, um, is what she told him. And that the men in, the men in ties have, I wrote it down, the men in ties uh, have their little games that they need to play and their things that they need to protect. And, and you're a threat to that. That's who she reminded me of. She walked in there like she owned the joint and like she was going to make him an offer he wasn't going to refuse. Um, so I really think that, that that's where maybe they're going to take Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Veep, Elaine, all of these, all of these names that we know her as. Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. That is a drag queen name if I have ever heard one. <laughs> anyway, she she came in and owned the scene. And I love the possibilities for her. As far as Sharon goes, I'm still really up in the air. I, I don't know. I, I, I still think that she is conflicted. And I think that she... <laughs> Maybe trying to hedge her bets a little bit, whether she's going to go light side, dark side. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, her her character is going to be interesting because I feel like she could go like you both are saying. She could go either way. I mean, she's definitely doing some I wouldn't say evil stuff, but she's you know, she's definitely doing some shady deals. Can I ask a we question? That. Yeah. Why do we think the power broker is necessarily the dark side? Nothing yeah, that the point. power broker done has done has ever been. We can't say that's dark. Think about it. We don't know that much about the power broker, just that they wanted the serum. I and mean, now that the serum's destroyed, true. now they want to take out, maybe they just want to take out the super soldiers. 
So we don't actually know that the power broker is the dark side. That has never been said to us. They're just an intimidating character. There's someone running Madripoor, but we don't actually know that they're they're on the dark side, that they're not good people. I think they aren't. This is just, this is just how I see it. Because they hired that doctor to create the serum, clearly they wanted the serum to have power. That's just how I... That's just how I see it. I think they created, they want to create power so they can do whatever they want to do. That's just how, I mean, that's why I think they are more of the quote unquote dark side for going Star Wars reference for everybody. Yeah, but you know what you have when you have venom? You have anti-venom. So you have to have the venom first, though, to have the anti-venom. Right. So, I mean, I mean we don't know that that's they, not the purpose of creating the serum to take why out would super soldiers. An, why would they want an anti serum just to make the serum? They want the I serum. I don't know. I am I'm, just speculating. I am. No, I, I don't want Sharon to be bad. I want Sharon to stay good. I want Sharon to stay. I mean, she's never been light. Let's face it. Sharon's always had a dark edge to her, but I want her to still stay one of the good guys. And I have a, a feeling that we could potentially be conflicted and not have there's no guarantees by the way that a week from now or you know when episode six comes out that we have all the answers we're not gonna it they this is marvel oh no is going to leave us open oh no i fully expect them to leave a lot some not a lot but some of these threads open into new projects new series new whatever all I'm saying is I was I've been thinking about your kingpin reference from last week multiple times. Right. Because, you know, and I don't know if you guys know this about me. Most a lot of my friends do. I have a John Goodman obsession and I really want him to be kingpin more than anything in the world. And um, I just if that happens, I will buy out the theater every single Marvel movie that he's in. If you can make that happen for me, Marvel. I'm still waiting for a good Kingpin showing up because he is a like again. Obviously, Spider Man makes more sense for that. But uh, all right, getting back on track with <laughs> Sharon and all that. Katie, any last thoughts on Sharon or anything, anything like that? I kind of want her to turn dark, whatever that means. If that means that she's a foil to the power broker, fine. If that means she is a power broker or working closely alongside him or her, fine. I think that she has been done dirty enough that that could be what pushes her over the edge. And I don't think that she fully trusts that the powers that have Sam and Bucky's back are also going to have her back. That's just my opinion. I like Sharon the way she is now with this even more jaded, even more amped up um, feeling of, of, of almost desperation that she has, but also like just very much embracing that desperation and that jadedness and that, you know, badassery, I guess, if we can call it that she uh, she's out for herself right now. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, And, and Vince Dio um, is my kingpin from the daredevil uh, oh, that's a lot good. of people like him. A lot of people like okay. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, like, yeah. I just so have good. this John Goodman thing that's kind of like I've, and I will elaborate for everyone that I have never found John Goodman to take a role that is bad. There's never, if I'm looking at movies and trying to figure out what to watch, if John Goodman's in it, I'm going to watch it because it's probably going to be decent because he's never taken on a bad role. I mean, 
pre-recent, pre the reboot of Roseanne, even Roseanne was good back in the, what, the 90s when we were growing up. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was, he was, he was good. So just, just a little insight in the way my brain works. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Christina. I know our audience agrees with you probably that John Goodman is a good uh, actor and he would make a killer kingpin. But, and I agree with Katie though, the guy that does it and daredevil has been, did a really good job. So either way, that'd be cool. But yes, bring kingpin into the MCU, please Marvel. Okay. So let's move on to Carly. So not much happens with her. We get a little dialogue with her and we kind of find out what her and the flag smashers have in store, you know, so obviously, like we talked about earlier, she gets in contact with uh, George's uh, Batrick and he gives her, like I said, I think it's explosive. I, I'm not 100% sure, but it looks like it's some type of explosives. And her goal now is to disrupt the GRC vote on the Patch Act, which would send the immigrants or the refugees, let me say that refugees, back to their native countries. And that's what she does not want to happen. And, you know, she also gives this speech earlier in the episode about, you know, what does it take for everybody to be a human on this planet? Paraphrasing what she said, but you can tell that she's her, her anger has elevated. Her means has elevated. And she even says, you know, to the group that, you know, our time has come. It's time to make our move. So obviously they go to New York City. This is where the GRC vote is happening. And she gets people on the inside to kind of interrupt their vote, interrupt things. And that's kind of where we leave the episode is, you know, the Flag Smashers are in New York City with obviously under the leadership of Carly. And they are about to do something to the to the GRC. So again, Carly, I love her character. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week. You know, and I'll ask both of you, um, you know, what, when you guys do your your Carly thoughts, you know, a question I want to pose is, do we think she will survive the series? Do you think she will just be captured? Where do you see her? going after this series i would love to keep her because i i find her fascinating i love erin uh erin kellyman she's a great actress i think she's doing a great job with this role i want to see more of her so that's my hope but obviously reality would be it would make sense for her to either be captured or to be killed i hope it's more captured route because i'd rather not have them kill off of another freaking awesome female character that's just me so uh christina i'll start with you carly your thoughts do you see her surviving this series and what what do you think is going to happen carly's too emotional she has brought way too much emotion into it she needs to start to separate it um she's going to make bad decisions you see walker make bad decisions as soon as he lets emotion get involved and that is a big part of leadership is you have to remove emotion from the equation and carly is no longer separating her emotion from the from what she is doing and it is causing her to make mistakes and she thinks she's being smart she thinks she's being wise she thinks she's outsmarting everyone around her um new falcon's been tracking her new falcon knows where she's at I mean, I'm going to refer to him as that Torres is new Falcon. We all know it. Let's just go with it. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Um, 
and we knew that was that was going to happen anyways. And so with that, um, Carly has got to step back. I know that she, what she's doing. I understand her her purpose and, and what what her mission is, but she's going to make a mistake. She's going to. I have some ideas. I don't want to say them because they sound a little crazy. Um, I think she I think she saves Sam and she dies doing it. I, I got to say, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, that she is going to make some kind of sacrifice like mm-hmm. th- this. That that feels very true to her character. Yeah, I think me. she's the martyr. Um, yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. I think that. Yeah, I, I think that she's going to make a sacrifice um, for the greater good. Uh, and she's going to probably realize that that's Sam and Bucky. And that is uh, the the morals and the the values that they stand for. Are we thinking team up? Because I'm thinking team up with those three again. Oh, I would love to see that. But I, I don't think it's love, gonna I don't think. <laughs> I think she's. I think she's a martyr. I think Lamar was a martyr, yeah. and so is she. And I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I do. You see that she has got a connection with Sam already, and she respects Bucky. And if it's if for some reason I don't know that we see a lot of Jen Walker in episode six, by the way, I think we I, I think we might skip him quite a bit. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, when we had that on credit scene, we may be skipping him. But back to Carly, um, I just think her purpose and for I think she understands that she is the symbol of of the flag smashers. Now, it is no longer the the handprint. It is her in that if she is to put herself in a position where she has the greatest influence, especially because, as we've seen, the world is watching. And if they see her sacrifice for her cause, that the, the strength of that cause has now duplicated multiple times. So I, I I don't think we see Carly at the end of episode six in a very good position. Now, do we will we know she's dead? Not necessarily. Will we be left open? Most likely. No, no, those are all good points. I, yeah, I'm kind of torn to whether she survives or not. Again, I, I hope survival in some way, shape or form. I kind of like what you guys are both saying about her maybe sacrificing, saving Sam or something like that. I like that. Katie, kind of what were your thoughts on on Carly? Yeah, again, I think that she as much as I would like to see her continue in this series, because I agree, Aaron Kellyman is doing a killer job of emoting and uh, giving us everything we want from this very complicated character. But we know Marvel as much as I hate to say that <laughs> we know Marvel and we know what sometimes happens uh, with their characters and especially their female characters. So I, I, I will say that I would not be surprised if Carly makes it meets her end and makes a sacrifice at the same time. Um, that is also of course a theme and <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would fit with her character and I think it would fit with the journey that she has been on throughout these first five episodes as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it would make sense for that to all transpire. I hope, like I said, I hope she does survive too, but we'll see. It it, it will be all up in the air and yeah, I, Oh God, I just, 
I hope again my pipe Lord, dream. Or you're is, sick thinking about it. Like you're sick to your stomach thinking we about all it. Are. I am too. I, I don't want to lose her because I, she is so I good. I love but, her character. Yeah. But it's I just, think we it, know it Marvel. does make Katie said it. Yeah. But, and it makes sense. It does. I mean, it makes sense for her character not to survive because this is, I mean, quote unquote, she is the villain of this show, so to speak, right? I mean, obviously, you can say John Walker is too in a certain degree. Right. We kind of have two of them, as Katie alluded earlier in our in our podcast episodes. We kind of have two villains. You know, we have Carly and then we have John Walker. So, you know, and I I tend to like obviously Carly more than John Walker. I'm starting to think the GRC might be an actual villain. I mean, you never know for sure. You know, that's kind of where I'm leaning a little bit more now each episode who sits who sits on medicine for six months if they don't have some greater game afoot i agree with that yeah i mean yeah so let's let's talk about mr walker himself um i mean again big big episode you gotta give it to wyatt russell he is killing it as much as i give props to sebastian stan anthony mackie for doing tremendous jobs with their character Wyatt Russell is taking this character into his own and crushing it like every week, especially this week. He did a dynamite job with the the acting, the speeches, everything that he did this this episode. Really, really good. I mean, obviously his, you know, Walker's in such denial about what he did in last episode. He doesn't feel like he did it. Like he he that like he did anything bad, he did it because he was you know uh, getting back revenge for his best friend Lamar, you know. And even in this episode, he he tells Lamar's parents when he visits them that you know he killed the person that killed their son, which is totally a lie because we all know that that was Carly and not that guy that he killed in the middle of the streets. So he's in such complete denial. Um, obviously great, great action. Like we kind of talked about great action in this beginning of the episode between Walker and, um, Bucky and Sam. Great stuff from those three. Really great action. You know, very Marvel action. Loved it. Um, you know, you can see where obviously the serums kicked in with, for Walker. And like we kind of alluded to, I think Katie alluded to earlier, the serum is changing John. And, you know, like that beginning montage previously, like Katie's brought up, you know, Lamar's quote of, it, you know, it brings out the real person of who you are when you take the serum. And John Walker is a soldier through and through. He's a, he is a soldier. And when he goes back to face the courts, you know, his whole, you know, basically he blames the government for what they made him into. They made him into the soldier. And like he said, he was only following their orders. I mean, he's not wrong. I I, I kind of agree with Walker in the instance where, you know, he was only following their orders and he was only doing what they told him to do. Complete denial about it, though. Complete denial. I mean, he obviously went off the rails with it, but he doesn't like he he's in such like. This whole kind of like way of thinking that he is not, 
He's not who people think he is now. He's not this guy that murders somebody in the streets. He's trying to like deny all that. And it's just not true. I mean, obviously he is who he is. He's a freaking soldier and he's okay with that. You know, so again, great acting from him. We get that kind of mid end credit scene of him building some knockoff shield, which was kind of interesting and obviously we'll see that that's why i think we will see him i think he'll be a big part i know chrissy you you, you don't think he will be or you have you know you're maybe you're not 100 percent sure that he'll be a big part in episode six i think he will i think we saw there's that little teaser trailer that showed him where he where he was in new york city and he was throwing the shield at carly and bucky and sam so i think he'll be a part of the the battle where whenever that is whether it's like in the beginning of the episode or whatnot it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this character because again where does he go does he just join that kind of thunderbolts what we're maybe assuming he's he joined that crew do they start a whole series with him in that kind of suicide squad-esque marvel group and is Val in charge of it? I kind of love that idea. I love that idea that you guys were talking about. So, I mean, yeah, John Walker, he get, can't say much, but I mean, he's, he wasn't wrong in his speech to the to the government. He wasn't wrong. Christina, I don't think he was wrong. Laura, the word is not denial. The word is delusional. There is a difference. Um, That's fair. It's delusion, right? It's, I'll give delusion. You it's delusion. It's not denial. He knows. He's choose he he has had such a mental breakdown at this point that he is delusional about it. He feels he did nothing wrong. His brain is telling him and and he's not wrong. He's a soldier. He was trained for that. But when you go to boot camp and you go through any military training that there is at no point do they strip you of your ethics and your morals. That doesn't happen. Um, that's in your heart. And we've been talking about how he's number one and it's all about his ego since the very beginning. And he's still there. He lied to Lamar's parents and he did it while acting that, I mean, he's got a mental problem while acting that he he's mourning and I get it. You lost your best friend. You lost the person that built you up and made you feel good every day. His wife is looking at him like, oh, shit, he has flipped a switch. Like, what is happening? Um, And he said, I lived my life by your mandates and I dedicated to your mandates. And I only ever did what you asked of me and I did it well. And and he has not denounced himself as Captain America. He has said, I am Captain America. Homeboy is went to Hobby Lobby and is building a new shield in his garage out of like coca-cola cans or something i don't know what he's using this is not sponsored by coca-cola so we'll remove that um but he is no, he, we, we, are sponsored by we knew that he was he was not going to give up that shield and you argued with us last week laura you thought he's going to just like give it away i, did, and, I was wrong i will fully admit <laughs> that i thought he would kind of go semi-quietly and i was proven wrong so I yes sorry, i mean when he walked in to that warehouse and he, he knew that they were behind him. He knew they were there. And all he says is... I love when he said, like, let's go to time work. Time to go to what work. Time, time to go to, go to work. work. Yeah. And he smirked. And Wyatt Russell 
has done such a phenomenal job with his body language and his just very subtle expressions, especially because he's wearing that mask. Like, how do you I mean, you have to think that's that's hard to work with and and get your expressions across. Um, When he said you don't want to do this. Damn, Bucky, that was dead sexy when he said, yeah, we do. Um, But I think that John's got the high of the serum right now. He it's not, you know, it's like pulsing through his veins like crazy. Um, He I had a question, though, and I noticed and I thought it was weird. Um, I think he took a couple good beatings to the head at some point, because if you notice in that opening sequence, he has blood coming down from inside his helmet and that wouldn't have been there. Um, I've never beaten someone to death with a shield but i know science somewhat and i can figure out physics that wouldn't get there from him like pounding someone so he i think he's got like he he has some type of a concussion or something like he's bleeding from the ears um but he is not yet denounced himself as captain america we see him in the first 20 minutes of this episode say the words i am captain america i believe three different times and homeboy has full-blown snapped He's office racker. Val is recruiting him. We are getting the Thunderbolts. It's very clear at this point. It's happening. I don't know if we're going to get a series or we're going into a standalone movie, but we're getting the Thunderbolts. Um, And so when he said the words, though, and this is it got me because I was like, no, like (laughs) when he said we could have been a team. Bro, at no point was anyone going to be on your team. He's been delusional since the minute they trotted him out at the very beginning. And he was on Good Morning America. He has been delusional since that point, And the serum has made it worse. And I think we do see him next episode. I just don't know that we see a lot of him. Um, I think there's a good possibility that Val calls him off and says this, this isn't our fight today. We have a bigger fight we're amped up for. Um, so we may see her again. I just don't know that we get a ton of content with him before he gets pulled away or something happens. I like that. That I could see that. I mean, he's definitely going to be in that whatever fight, I think, in New York. And then, yeah, maybe after that we don't see him. Who knows? But, yeah, Thunderbolt is happening. I think we can lock that down, kids. I think you we have been talking about that for a couple episodes now that – Obviously, John Walker becomes U.S. agent and we know he becomes part of Thunderbolts. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Very, 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 very interesting. Um, Katie, your thoughts on John Walker this episode? You know, we talk about his delusion that has been magnified. I kind of want to talk about the other side, Um, his guilt that has been magnified. while he's before Sam and Bucky catch up to him in the warehouse and he's having kind of those flashes when we see that he's bleeding from the ears, uh, he's talking about Lamar and he says, he told me, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen? Lamar told me what was going to happen if I took this serum. Why didn't I listen? You know, and then later in the episode, um, when they're fighting, He's about to, when he has the shield up over his head, I think is when he said, why are you making me do this? That's what abusers say. (laughs) That's what abusive partners say to other, to their partners. I mean, there is all kinds of stuff going on in his head. Um, Is it 
from PTSD? Is it from war? Is he thinking back to when he got spanked as a child? Like, we don't know what's going on. But there is a lot of there's a lot of pain rolling around up there. And yes, the serum is making all of his golden boy. I'm the shit and everyone's going to know it. And all of his delusions of grandeur coming out, too. But it's also magnifying all of that guilt, all of that shame, all of that pain, whatever else is floating around up there. It's all coming out. And he is just a hot ass mess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it it was very interesting to me. You know, I was worried about, you know, how he hasn't been held accountable for anything that he has done so far. Is he going to be held accountable for this? Holy moly, did they go from zero to 60? Like in no time, he was publicly humiliated, basically publicly stripped of all of his titles. He was given not a dishonorable discharge and other than honorable discharge, which I've never heard of before. Admittedly, I don't know much about the military. I don't have military in my family except for World War Two. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know about that, but it was still very public. And of course it was still, he, he was fighting tooth and nail the whole time, still saying I am captain America in all caps, you know? <laughs> and then like the instructables.com welded together shield in my, in my back shed, in my garage. Like I, what does he think that's going to do? I feel like, you know, there's, we're, we're speculating. Yeah. He's going to show up to New York. Yeah. He's going to try and get in the fight. I feel like he's going to get his butt handed to him. And then he is going to be disappeared into a black fan and he is going to go away. He's going to go away to wherever the rest of the Thunderbolts are. And um, that's the last that we're going to see of, of John Walker for a little while. I bet that's if I had to speculate, that's kind of what I would speculate. He's they're going to pull him out from underneath a pile of rubble and underneath his shield broken into a million pieces <laughs> and then put him in a van, put a bag over his head and, and off he goes. Um yeah, it, it it but that that side of yes, we love to to hate on how I mean the, the hateable qualities of him are what makes him who he is. That what it make, that's what makes him the character that we are loving to see just be yuck. <laughs> but there there's a whole lot of other emotions happening in there. I think there's a whole lot of other emotions happening with all of these characters and and his being so magnified uh, is really striking to me and Wyatt Russell, major props to him. He, we've been saying how great he's been doing, and he's just continuing to give us some great performances. Yeah, they they don't mess around with their casting because they just know how to cast, and they're doing a great job. He's doing a great job with his character. Yeah, I could see, Katie, I think you really bring up a good point of him getting into the fight, probably losing. And then Val's character, which I, I come on, I'm on board that now. So I, I will, I will retract my, she's the power broker. I'll go with that. She's in charge of the Thunderbolts. And one, I think, think, um, one of us. Yeah. I yeah. also think that we see him with all his medals and he's, he's welding his shield. And I think that there's a strong visual that we're going to get of his medals crumbling and breaking off of his shield. And I think that That'd that's going to be a That'd really be a strong visual. visual. And it's what's going to happen. Because those welds, by the way, I was taught to weld when I was quite young. And those were not very good welds. So that thing's crumbling apart the second anything that's vibranium comes near it. That stainless steel or those Coca-Cola cans are crumbling apart. Just so that you guys are all aware. 
I do wonder what he's using. I mean, I'm assuming it's just regular metal, but I mean, who knows? Val's character could have gave him some upgraded ish. I don't stuff, think you weld yeah, vibranium I so. like that. I I just I don't know. I haven't done a Wakanda recently, but I don't think that's no, you how don't. you do that. Yeah, I don't know what he thinks he's going to accomplish with that thing. He wants to be freaking Captain America, man. That's his whole thing. I'm Captain America. I know, right? (laughs) But yeah, good stuff from Walker. And yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of him at all. So let's move on to Bucky and specifically Bucky and Zemo. So Bucky... I have a lot of Bucky pre-Zemo that we have to talk about too, my friend. No, we'll talk about... I mean, we'll talk about that, but... I. We'll stick with the kind of Bucky Zemo right now, and then we'll go into the Bucky stuff. So Bucky Zemo, I liked how they kind of brought that all together. He finds Zemo at the Sokovian Memorial statue, and obviously he baits. He tries to bait Bucky one more time into becoming the Winter Soldier, becoming this guy that he has long forgotten. And he, again, fails. And I love how Bucky was even shows more resolved when he acted like he shot him, but he didn't just to prove his point to Zemo that like I have control over myself, not you. And then he just kind of drops all the bullets. And then I was the AO and the uh, Dormelage come and take Zemo away. They're taking him to what's called the raft. And where he will live out his days, which will be interesting to see again, where he will pop up again. I don't think we've seen the last of Zemo. Uh, I don't think we'll see him in the next episode, but I do think we'll see him down the road in the MCU in some fashion. So that's kind of where I'm at with Zemo. And um, again, I hope we see him. I think we will see him. I don't think you make Daniel Bruhl that character and waste it on just a little bit on this like short series uh, to portray. So we'll first start with that. Bucky Zemo, Christina, your thoughts on that and that interaction. Actually, the biggest thing I took out of that interaction was when Zemo told Bucky, I crossed my name out of your book. And um, Zemo, he respects Bucky. (laughs) He is the only super soldier that Zemo respects other than Steve. Um, and I don't think that respect was always there when he was the winter soldier, of course, because he used him and he still got a little and, and, and Bucky references it later that he still has some winter soldier in there. Um, but I took it as, yeah, I think that Bucky was showing Zemo, I could kill you right now. And I think Zemo was asking him to do that before he turned him over to the Dora. That is what Zemo wanted. Zemo wanted the Winter Soldier to take him out. And you saw that on his face. Um, and But he's still trying to warn them. He's still trying to give them hope and help because he knows there's more super soldiers out there. Um, I think you're right. I don't think this is the last that we see of Zemo ever. And I think that we will see Zemo again at some point. Um, I also like that, you know, Bucky's interaction with the Dora when he said they said White Wolf, which we think that, you know, that's the path that we're on for Bucky at this at this point. Now, you need to stay scarce in Wakanda. Um, but Bucky still had a favor. And, you know, they he turned Zemo over to them. I loved that it, we called back to earlier when Zemo asked, have you been to the memorial? 
And that's exactly where Bucky went to find him. It was almost like Zemo was telling him, this is where you come get me. This is where you come find me. No, that's a good point about that kind of callback. That was, yeah, makes sense. And it, of course, it had to be Bucky because even Sam in the episode said, you're going to go find Zemo. He didn't say anything, but we all knew that's where where, where he was headed. So quick, uh, you know, Bucky-Zemo interaction. Katie, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course it was going to be Bucky. I mean, they had to close that loop. It started with Bucky and Zemo and it had to end with Bucky and Zemo. I don't think it's over for Zemo either. I think uh, there's some kind of deal that's going to be made that's going to get him off off of uh, whatever the raft is <laughs> and get him out of Wakanda and back into back into the fight somehow. I think, though, that, you know, Christina, you said it all. The, the power of him being in control in that moment and showing Zemo that he was still in control and showing restraint um, in a way that I think Zemo has never seen and wasn't really expecting. That was really powerful. And I think, you know, even that kind of closed the loop for the two of them and, and their tenuous relationship. So we'll, uh, we're looking forward to seeing Zemo back. Maybe we'll see him dance some more too. I hope we do have more dancing Zemo because that's all we need in this world. Um, all right. So I know more on Bucky though, Christina, what else did you have? Um, Bucky? so in that first fight when Bucky said, yeah, we do Bucky knew, but I think Bucky went into that fight thinking there's a possibility. One of us doesn't come out of here. Um, and Bucky was going to do, and I wrote down, Bucky came to fight. Bucky was going to do whatever he needed to do to strip John Walker of that shield. And um, I think it speaks to the strength of Bucky because you see these fights, right? And you think, oh, my goodness, he's really kicking somebody's butt here. When he broke the metal support with just by, with a swing, Right. He crumbles a metal support holding up a roof with a swing. And it really shows you the strength of Bucky and the strength of his arm, which then in turn is showing you the strength that John Walker now has because of the serum. And you see Sebastian Stan just killed it um, with his his expressions throughout. You saw his resolve Um, when they broke that arm. I mean, Bucky was there for it. Bucky enjoyed that a little bit. Um, I have a lot of really great Bucky things in this episode. Flirty Bucky is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, Bucky showed up. Are, are we going into where Bucky shows up at Sam's? Or are we going to wait on that? Well, we'll talk. We'll do Sam Bucky together. Okay, we'll yeah. do Sam Bucky together. Flirty yeah. Bucky is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just, I just want that out there. I want that in public knowledge that Flirty Sebastian <laughs> stands the most attractive thing I've ever seen. It is on the record. Uh, Katie, kind of your thoughts on uh, on Bucky. And then, like I said, we'll we'll combine Sam and Bucky because they they had a lot. They did a lot together in this in this episode. A lot of good stuff. But we'll do uh, your initial thoughts on Bucky pre Sam. Yeah, I mean, we had we had Bucky and Zemo, you know, and and his again, his resolve and his control and a little bit of him. fight. I, I, th- I think in the fight. Yes, he was enjoying the pain that they were inflicting on John Walker, but I think still he even showed restraint in that. Um, Maybe because they did beat him, maybe because they did end up with the shield, Um, even though it was Sam 
you know, who ended up with the shield and he, there's that great moment. I wrote it down. Um, that great moment of him just kind of looking at it like, Oh, what have we done? And then just starting to wipe the blood off of it. That was so powerful for me. Um, yeah, I'm ready to talk Bucky and Sam. If you guys are, I am going to add though, at that point, we saw that the winter soldier was no longer in Bucky. He could have killed Walker right then and there. We could have been done with John Walker. And Bucky very simply could have taken that shield and done to John Walker, who was laying there, what John Walker did to someone else. And the Winter Soldier would have done that. And Bucky chose not to. I think that's extremely telling about his character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So let's get into um, let's get into Sam. I want to start with Sam and Isaiah, and then we'll get into kind of Sam Bucky because Sam Isaiah was a first of all a hell of a scene between those two actors. Number one, number two, it was a hell of a scene of just the heaviness of it, the the importance of it and what it means to Sam moving forward. You know, we so we go back to Isaiah Bradley and, you know, Sam gets further information on Isaiah on what happened. You know, we find out that he that he went to save some of his soldiers, very similar to what Steve Rogers did. And but instead of going to prison, you know, Instead of Steve going to prison, like he, uh, Isaiah went to prison for doing what Steve did. And for that whole time, they, as, as we find out, obviously throughout the series, that they ran tests on him. They poke prodded, did a lot of things to Isaiah. And they even basically told his wife that he was dead. And he wasn't aware of that at all until a nurse helped him fake his death and showed him that all these letters that his, that his wife had written to him, you know, that's what he got for being brave and wanting to save his brothers. You know, he didn't become captain America. He became a prisoner, you know, unlike Steve Rogers who became this iconic figure that we obviously know. You know, so it's very interesting and I love how they're showing that dynamic. And again, he tells Sam, that they they would never let a black man be Captain America. And even if they did, no self-respecting black man would want to be it. I mean, that's a powerful ass message from this from this character to Sam, who is trying to, you know, fight himself about being Captain America. And, you know, that Steve, you know, Steve chose him to be the next Captain America. And it's a, and it's kind of a, a thread that Sam's been dealing with this entire series. So kind of, your, you know, I want to start there with Sam, Christina, your thoughts on those, on that interaction. Super powerful. Um, you know, Isaiah explains his side. He explains his piece and, and Sam appreciates that. You know, that's the answer. Sam wanted that first visit there. Sam needed more. That's why he went back. Um, 
when Isaiah said the, that line about they'll never let a black man be Captain America, no self-respecting black man ever would want to be, um, that hit Sam and we see it stick with him. And, you know, Sam does say very early on, Steve did not put you in jail. He is not the one who did that because Isaiah is blaming Steve at the very beginning. Um and I think that Isaiah is trying to explain to Sam his his experience and and what the risks are that Sam could be taking himself. And he's warning Sam of, are you going to put yourself in this position? Is this really what you want to do? Because if you un- if you unearth me, you bring me out into the light, I'll be dead in a day. And that is what Isaiah is doing. He is warning Sam, you are putting yourself in a very precarious position. And was his tactic necessarily the way to do it? We don't know. I, I don't know that experience. I don't live that life. That's not that's not me. Um, but that I felt that that's what he was doing. I don't think that Isaiah was coming at it saying you're an idiot. I think Isaiah was just giving him that that warning and that that almost paternal speech that Sam kind of needed to really make his best informed decision on what he's personally going to do. No, oh, yeah, that's that's a really good point, Katie. Uh, your thoughts on that whole interaction between. Sam and Isaiah agreed that that um, that whole interaction was to me the most powerful bit of the episode, um, possibly of the show so far. Uh, hearing just about everything that Isaiah went through, and of course, his experiences are going to inform his decisions, right? And the advice that he gives to Sam. Sam, in the back of his head, still has Cap. And I feel like even with that advice and even with it coming from a place of coming from a place of love and a place of um, fear in a little bit of ways, both from Isaiah's experiences and also just for his fear of what may happen to Sam. I still think that Sam kind of is taking it upon himself that he's got to take up the mantle for, for Steve. And I think he does. I think it's, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be in a way that pays respect to Steve without saying I'm Captain America. Like, I, I don't think that he is going to want to call himself that a whole lot. Maybe he, maybe he's not, you know, we know that we know that in the comics he is, but we also know that Marvel MCU likes to just kind of very, very much parallel a lot of the stuff that happens in the comics. A lot of times it doesn't happen, you know, just straight as it, as it happened on the page, but it's, it'll be interesting to see what he, what he does do. I think he's going to make that decision that he is going to take up that shield. I mean, he already has, we already got a training montage of him with it. Um, and of course what's in the box at the end, but will, <laughs> I think that's a suit. I think it's a suit from Wakanda, but, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. The, uh, w- one quote that I really wanted to mention that Isaiah said, um, number one, he kept referring it, referring to the shield as the white man's shield. Uh, I, I feel like that, that, that really struck me. And, uh, 
then, you know, talking about how they erased him and they erased his history. Uh, but they've been doing that for 500 years. You know, that, that was another quote that, that really stuck with me. But also Sam said, um, my family's well-being is a part of this world. You know, and if you if you kind of think about that, Carly's family's well-being is also a part of this world. You know what I mean? Like the, the, there are so many parallels with these characters who are trying to find this oneness and trying to do the right thing. And I feel I feel like, you know, these characters aren't as different as we're trying to as they're trying to be portrayed as and maybe that's the point you know maybe maybe that's the whole point is we're supposed to be seeing ourselves in a little bit of all of these these people um anyway super powerful scene um i i enjoyed it i'm glad they included it i'm glad they were brave enough to include it and yeah (laughs) that's all i've got yeah, it's it's a big moment. I mean, it really is. It's not just like you're saying in the show, but I think overall in like the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, because you know the the identity of Captain America, whoever is Captain America, whether that's with Steve Rogers, whether that's going to be obviously Sam, whoever takes that mantle up, you know, it's a very iconic, very you know political, political, politically sized character i mean that's probably the most political size you know marvel character we have so to bring that theme in is was smart and it it, it has done so well so yeah i you can't speak enough about that scene it's really great so um let's get to more sam stuff let's get to sam and bucky now because the friendship in this episode was fantastic I mean, the them just fixing a ship together montage was all I needed. I didn't know I needed it, but it's what I needed. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, just them talking and playing freaking catch with the shield. I mean, that was amazing as well. I mean, that conversation when they're doing that. I mean, we find out that Steve had talked to Bucky prior to giving the, the Sam the shield in Endgame. So we know that old man Steve talked to Bucky at some point before he gave this shield to Sam and talked about, you know, giving it to him to become Captain America. And, you know, Bucky even kind of apologizing, saying we we didn't know, we didn't understand what it would mean. And I'm sorry. And that was, again, kind of a, a cool, interesting moment for Bucky. And then obviously Sam giving Bucky advice, too, about, you know, learning to you know, stop amending or stop avenging and start amending. You know, I I love that line that he gave to Bucky, you know, because like he told Bucky, you know, you've been trying to avenge the the stuff that you did when you're a winter soldier. You haven't been amending, you know, just take one person and do something to service to them and change, you know, and do something good. Start there. And it was just, again, Typical Sam, you know, used to talking to soldiers and everything like that. We've seen it before. It's really good stuff with these two. I mean, again, like Chrissy said earlier, flirty Bucky is hilarious. I loved it when he flirted with Sam's sister. That was a it was a, a fun moment. And then, like I said, that whole boat montage, them fixing stuff, 
Bucky using his Wakanda arm to like just rip up a piece that Sam was trying to like use a tool with. Like it was just good, a good, you know, kind of them coming together and realizing that, you know, they are a team, you know, it's, it's, they are a duo that can help each other and that they're there for each other. And it's not just because of Steve, it's because of them, because they have built a, a friendship beyond just being friends of Steve's, you know, they are now friends of each other. So I loved everything with these two. Christine, I'll start with you. Kind of your thoughts on Bucky, Sam, uh, this episode. Bucky showed up straight flexing. Like Bucky showed up, moved that crate off the boat or off the truck to the boat. It was, it was just like such a good, amazing, I, I needed it. We saw that that was when Sam realized like Bucky's my dude. Um, flirty Bucky is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, and Sam, he does the knife flip thing, which, you know, the knife flip thing, kind of sexy. Um, but, you know, when he says, oh, I'm right handed, I don't always think about it. That had me I was laughing out loud when Sam's like, why didn't you use the metal arm? <laughs> like I, I, I laughed. Um, but I think that it was really you saw what their relationship had become when they were doing their I wrote shield throwing practice. Um, and, and they did talk about it. And I, I thought, to be quite fair, I thought at the end of Endgame when Steve gives Sam the shield. I thought it was very clear that Bucky had known that that's what was going to happen. Um, I just rewatched Endgame, and I think it was quite clear at the time that Bucky knew that Sam, what Steve was going to do. Um, and Bucky does say, I have his book, and if it worked for him, I thought it would work for me. And Sam says, "Are you? do you want some tough love? I'll give you tough love. And they have that. And I, I did love that. You weren't amending. You were avenging line. I thought that was just such a well-written line. And when he said, you know, nightmares means that the Winter Soldier is still a part of me. And I think that the, the, the path around with Bucky is that he needs to recognize that the Winter Soldier is always going to be a part of him because his past will always be his past. And he can't change that, but he can change his future. And I think he is now learning that. And he is realizing that as much as he's trying to expel everything he did as the Winter Soldier, he can't change it. So he needs to just, you know, amend where he can and atone for what happened, but he was under mind control. This wasn't that Bucky was choosing to do these things. Um, so I think that when they had that conversation that Sam really helped him through that and helped him see like, dude, I'm, I'm in your corner too. Like Steve was the only person you thought was in your corner. You've got me. We've, we've got each other. And I, I did love the entire Sam training montages that we have. And, you know, he left room on his left when he was running and, and, and all those things. And you see, um, I, I want to pick up the shield because I don't understand. It must weigh three pounds. Like that must be like throwing a bag of potato chips because this thing, it, it bounces everywhere. I need some vibranium shield in my life just so I can see what this is because I would think it would make me feel very strong. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Katie, kind of your thoughts on uh, these two overall. 
Well, I'll start with Sam. At the beginning of the series, we see him trying to use who he is as the winter soldier to help his family, right? When he goes to the bank um, with Sarah and tries to get a loan. But of course he's been disappeared for five years. And so he, he's, he's not able, even though the guy wants his autograph, you know, they, he can't give him a loan. But in this episode, you see him use his power as Sam Wilson to call all of his friends and family and, and name drop his parents. And, you know, he, he gets it done for his family by being himself. And I think that he is going to get it done as Captain America or whatever they're going to, to call him by being himself, you know, and himself is it's his parents. It's Steve. It's Bucky. Now, you know, it, it's his time in the military. It's, it's all of these things. And I, I thought that was a nice, um, it was a nice bookend, I guess of, Hey, you know, yeah, you're super, but you don't need to be all of the time uh, to get things done. And I think he kind of took that and, and told Bucky that too. You know, um, he, one piece of advice he did give them, give him is you've got to stop looking to other people to tell you who you are. And, you know, now Bucky is on that road for himself. Okay. I'm not the winter soldier. Okay. I'm not James Barnes anymore. Who am I going to be? moving forward, you know, am I going to start amending and not avenging? What is that going to look like for, for me? And, uh, yeah, that, 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 those little moments of, you know, Sam being a counselor still and, uh, and getting, getting Bucky to, to see these things that was really special. And of course the way that their, their bond just deepened even further throughout this episode was fun. And uh, ribbing on each other, you know, we're not partners. We're just, we're colleagues. We're a couple of guys, two dudes chilling in a hot tub, five feet apart, you know, the rest. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see them team up with whatever is in that box. I'm, I think it's a little three pound suit <laughs> made out of vibranium from, from Wakanda. I think it's some new wings or something. Oh, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's tiny though. I don't know. I feel like it's tiny. Um, I think though that we have to recognize that Sam is going back to the counselor even at the very beginning. He very, at the very beginning when they're with Walker, he tries to talk Walker down. John, this isn't you. Yes, he sure does. Um, he tries to talk him down even through the fight. And by the way, in that fight sam is outmatched like nobody's business like sam does not involved in that fight sam should have taken his happy little butt and been recording because we know r.i.p red wing but sam should have been in the distance like he had no business getting in between two super soldiers with one with a vibranium arm one with a vibranium shield who just took the serum and Sam still holds his own. And throughout that entire fight and throughout this entire episode, you see Sam still being that good hearted person who is the, the, the strength and, and like almost the therapist that everyone around him needs. And, and even in times when his life is on the line, he's still trying to help. Him. Yeah, I mean, he is just he 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 is Captain America. He is the guy that should be. And obviously, I think we all agree he will be the one holding that shield in the end. I, I now that suit that is in the that is in that box from Wakanda. I have seen 
photos of it because as the leaked toys have shown what it's going to look like, it's pretty fucking dope. It's pretty sweet. So get excited, kids, because it's more with the F bomb. First F bomb. I'm surprised it wasn't me. (laughs) It's going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. So I can't wait to I can't wait to see it on TV because as I've seen the picture on the toy box and everything, it's still pretty freaking cool. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, seeing him don a new suit and it's Wakandan too. So, you know, that thing's going to be dope. Like it's going to be so like tricked out. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't can't wait to see these, you know, him and Bucky fighting together again. And then obviously we know Carly, you know, I uh, again, I cross my fingers. I hope those three kind of fight John together, but I know that's not going to happen. That's just my selfish reasonings. I want that to happen. So uh, final thoughts on this episode. Anything you guys want to bring up, Christina? Any Anything else? Um, I'm ready for episode six. I think this was the episode that we know going in. This is going to be, we said this last week, by the way, this is going to be high energy. Episode six is going to be an hour and it's going to feel like it was 15 minutes because it's going to be so fast. Um <laughs> I I liked it. I liked I liked our sense of community. I liked the way that we built our characters out. We now who know who they are as people 100%. There's no denying them as people at this point. Um really good. Interested to see where we go. I did just recently today see that there may be some nominations for the series that come across and they did not say any longer that this is a limited series, which is referencing that we may see season two. I mean, that would make sense. It's a, it's, it's a successful series. I'd be cool with another, another season of it. I guess it just depends on where they want to take the story, but I would love this to kind of be the beginning of like Sam being Captain America. And this is a series of showing that like this is what it it turns into like you know Sam and Bucky Captain America White Wolf adventures give it to me like I'm excited for it Katie final thought bring on episode six I agree it's gonna be fast and furious um I think that you know, recalling back to, I wrote down in my notes while Sam and Bucky were having their powwow, he said, Sam said, Carly's going to double down. And Zemo says, there's only one way. There's only going to be one way to deal with her. And, you know, I think they're telegraphing that for us as much as I hate to say it, but we'll see. We'll see what that suit looks like. We'll see who shows up. We'll see how long that, uh, Rinky Dink Instructables.com Hobby Lobby Shield lasts. And it'll be it'll be exciting. We can't deny that it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, it's a lot of action. I think this is going to be a lot of the cinematic kind of Marvel fighting scenes that I think we'll we'll definitely get that next next episode in the finale. So yeah, excited. Excited to see where we go with this uh last last episode, man. It's gonna be going to be wild stuff wild stuff so before we bounce we have a couple we have three questions from our fans listeners whatever you want to call it so let's get to it so our first question of ask the gbc 
comes from the Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. That is Alberto, a good friend of mine. And his question is this. Thoughts on the 400 plus million production budget for the first season of Amazon's Lord of the Rings. My God, that's a lot of money for this series. I mean, that's exceeds Game of Thrones, exceeds anything that I have heard of in a TV series. Kind of gets me excited. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Lord of the Rings fan too. Love the movies. I, I haven't read the books, I'll be honest. I'm not a not a book Lord of the Rings person, but um the movies were fantastic. Peter Jackson did an amazing job with those movies. So I am excited to go back into that world, back into the Middle Earth and dive into that lore a little bit more. Um, as far as I know, the show is going to be based off of uh, Aragon's kind of bringing up and everything. So I'm excited for the series, especially if, if Amazon's just throwing money at it. Clearly, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, Katie, your thoughts on that $400 million production? <laughs> Yeah, I want to say that that blows the entire eight seasons of Game of Thrones out of the water. Yeah, I'm, I think it did. Ooh, what are they going to give us with visual effects? Who are they going to cast also that's going to require those kinds of salaries? I'm here for it. I'm I'm so excited. Um, I'm with you, Lauren. I have not ever read the books. I just didn't. I got introduced to them late and my book queue is longer if you can believe it than my movie and television queue uh which is already obscene and lord of the rings just has never like it's never clawed its way to the top so <laughs> but i love the movies um i spent new year's eve and new year's day uh watching them with my kids for the first time and they enjoyed it um i'm i'm ready for the series you know uh, give me whatever you're gonna give me just give it to me that's that's kind of my that's kind of my uh take on a lot of my fandoms that i love just just give it to me let me enjoy it and uh really excited to see what they do with that kind of cash yeah i mean that's buku bucks christina i mean lord of the rings 400 million dollar production i love me some lord of the rings um i opening night with my mom for every single film and um started the books never it's just one of those things that you guys know i am like the read the book watch the movie person and i started the books and i was worried it was going to ruin the movies for me and so i stopped um this budget's more than the movies cost for a season of a show. Do we know how many episodes we're getting? No. I don't think we, do. I don't think we even know how many episodes we're if getting. It goes by, which is, well, if it goes by the way Amazon usually does it, it's probably going to be 10, maybe even less. It's going to be 10. Most Amazon shows are 8 to 10. So we're talking freaking a lot of money for every episode. And I don't know what they're... I mean, it's going to be special effects. But what are you doing? First of all, who are you casting? You're paying some names to be in this. You are spending some money on some names. You're not going all unknowns for a $400 million budget for one season of a series. You're just not doing it. You're casting big names. Who is it, Katie? Because your face tells me you know who's already <laughs> no. been cast. Yeah, they do. I haven't casting. looked it up. I haven't looked it up. Yeah, they do have they, some casting, but I can't. I, I have haven't looked it up, though, yeah. No, and I haven't looked either, but I'm thinking special effects. I'm thinking, what if they use the technology that they've been using in The Mandalorian? 
What if that's where oh. the money is coming from? They're going to have, I, it, that's some big money, the, the name of that technology, but the like all encompassed IMAX screen that's all the way around you. What if that's what they're using for all of these, all of these episodes? And that's where a lot of the money is going to go. Could be because yeah, I'd love to yeah. see a breakdown of that budget. You know, I want to, I want to see the balance sheet. I want to yeah. see the, where, where are we allotting this budget? Where's it going? Give me the, um, give me the spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, it, it, most of it's got to go to special effects. It's got to go. It, it has to. Um, yeah, that when I saw that number, that blew my mind. I, that's got to be the most expensive series there's ever been. Yeah. For one it is, season. Yeah, it is. It has, it's got to blow everything else out of the water. I can't think of anything. Lord, I mean, Game of Thrones didn't even come close. Yeah, no, they were only like 10 million per season. That was towards the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, I'm pumped. Give it to me whatever uh you know that will be it'll be exciting i mean they'll start announcing more stuff with that show so it'll be really really cool and it's 465 million yeah like it's not even 400 million it's 465 million that's another 65 million dollars than what we just said season i think think about that i think season eight of game of thrones was 60 million by itself like that's so much money Yeah, Game of Thrones was ten million an episode, which was about a hundred million a season at the end. Um, and so the final stretch, it was ten million per episode for Game of Thrones. So you're talking if we're going, even if we're going ten episodes, you're talking forty six million episode. That's crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I'm excited for it though. But thanks for the question, Alberto. As always, uh, and then we got two from Mr. Chris Davis. Um, first one. Says, do you remember a time where you got into a geek debate and people walked away impressed? And his second question is, which burden would you carry as a Marvel superhero? Example, Tony Stark, PS, uh, PTSD during Age of Ultron. Wanda trying to go through her loss of her uh, world. Or even being Jean Grey and having the Phoenix Force. Uh, can be any Marvel movie. So two good questions. Um, you know, I can't remember a debate, a geek debate that I got into. I have a good one. And you were involved in it, oh, by okay. the way. This will, that will be good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, nothing comes to the top of my head, Chris. But, you know, I think I just, I mean, I don't know. I just talk to people about geek stuff and they come away impressed, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I'm just maybe building myself up on that <laughs> let's tell let's let's tell a story yeah, about story. how men in the geek world men in the geek world think they know all and lauren you recall this time we won trivia and it was marvel mcu marvel movie trivia and um it was a quite a few ladies so it was you me um Sarah pretended. Um, Alyssa, who is our MVP, Alyssa, and DJ, um, who we referenced last week, we walked into a local bar restaurant that does trivia. And we sat down. I don't remember what our team name was, but it was something good. Um, I should have texted Alyssa and prep for this because I did read Chris's question. And there was a group of gentlemen, probably about our age, men who have a Marvel podcast. 
And they walked in there arrogant as could be. And they were going to win. And they were telling people that they have this podcast. And the, the server came over and said, hey, you know, those guys over there, they win every time they do this. Every time we do Marvel trivia, they always win. They have a podcast and everything. And we were like, okay. And then we beat them. And they did not acknowledge this table of women because DJ... We love you, but we knew the answers without you. Alyssa was the MVP. Your wife killed it. She's the reason that we won. Um, And I don't recall what the exact question was, but it was from Ragnarok. Um, Jeff Goldblum's character, what's his actual name? Like, what was he actually referred to? And it's not actually in the film. I've watched it since to find it. But Alyssa somehow knew. And um, that is why we won. And they never acknowledged, didn't even lift a glass, never acknowledged the table full of women that beat them at their own game. And it was so wonderful. Um, but Laura, you were you were there for it. That was that was the mm-hmm. geek thing. No, no, that's a good call. Our, our team name was Winter Soldier Goes to Our Gym. Pretty sure that was our team name. Was yeah. that it? Yeah. I think it was a Bucky oh, reference because Alyssa Bucky, and I yeah. both at that time hated Bucky. Um, and she is still not 100% sold on Bucky. I have to text her tomorrow to see if that has since changed. But um, at that time, we hated Bucky. But I think you're right. I think it was something like the Winter Soldier goes to my gym. Yeah, I think it was that. And then the question was, what was it was something about the Grandmaster and his name? That was a question and she got it right. We were the only group that got it right. Everybody else got it wrong. And that's why we won by one point. <laughs> that was really, that was, that was a good, that was a good question. Um, but the second half of Chris's question, what burden would you carry? I mean, that's a tough one. Um, man, that's, that's tough to think about. Tough to think about at the top of my head. But I would go with maybe... Maybe I kind of like the Jean Grey. Having the the Phoenix and all that. I'm a huge X-Men fan. I love I love those characters. I love Jean Grey. I love that line of comic book series of comics, that whole kind of thread of her becoming the Phoenix. So I I'll take I'll take Jean Grey. I like Jean Grey. I'll go with Jean Grey. Katie. Burdens and your impressed moments. What do you got? Well, my impressed moments um, is also trivia related. It seems like I always surprise people <laughs> when I'm when I'm doing trivia. And I, my, I think I guess my proudest moment was, um, you know, and it was a, it was in a bar. It was on a weeknight. But gosh, darn it. I won Star Wars trivia by myself. Team of one. You know, <laughs> and that that made me um, I won a forty dollar bar tab. <laughs> And and a talking point for the rest of my life that I was nice. the, I was the citywide champion in that bar on that night <laughs> for Star Wars trivia by myself. And I I beat I, I had a friend of mine there and I beat him. So and he's he's pretty well, pretty well versed in Star Wars as well. Uh, as far as debate goes, like I don't try and debate. You like what you like. You know what you know. I'm not going to try and sit here and change your mind, man. Like, just like what you like and watch what you watch and believe what you want to believe. I'm very, um, I'm very Jeff Lebowski about, (laughs) 
about <laughs> about my fandom. We um, all need to be more Jeff Lebowski. I, you know, you know, less Walter, more Jeff. Even though John Goodman did great in that role too. Um, my since you took my character friend. Um, <laughs> that was my vil- that was my villain that I uh, related the most to was the Dark Phoenix. Um, I feel like Rogue's burden of I like that one. You know, and and maybe it's it's less like touching someone and freaking them the fuck out, but more so like getting to close to people and getting too emotionally invested in things and especially getting emotionally invested in people um, and situations that you probably shouldn't because uh, because you're too trusting. <laughs> you're too trusting and you uh, and, and you feel you feel like uh, you want to take everyone at, at their word. Um but yeah, I, I think that that's probably the burden that I would carry, like getting too close to people and then getting burned in some way. And then, you know, and that's a good one, man. Uh, yeah. You can take Jean Grey. I'll take Rope now because I, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll switch you. I like that one. <laughs> Christina, did you do a burden? Did you pick a burden one? I, you know, I, I got to go with Wanda. Um, no choice. And, and I'm going to stick Marvel and I'm going to go with Wanda because I will take Wanda's grief because to have grief, you knew love. And so um, for Wanda, that is what has shaped and formed her. And it happened with, you know, her brother with Pietro. And it started it started with her parents and with her family and, and moved on to Pietro. And it has formed who she is and how strong she is. And it's never stopped her from seeking love. And I think that that is the type of the type of grief that um, I would go ahead and I would take on. Well said. I like it. That's good choices. Really good choices. Uh, thanks for the questions, you guys. Uh, so much fun. We love hearing from you guys. So please, please, please send those. Ask the GBC questions uh, in whenever. Just use that hashtag and we will get you on the show. So that's it. That is episode five for us. Episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier Talk. Excited for the finale. So let's bounce on out of here. Christina, where can the good people find you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm never really on Facebook, so I don't know why I ever say it. So let's go with Twitter and Instagram at a beautiful quest. Love it. Katie, where can the good people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Penguin Katie. That's Katie with a Y. And... (laughs) Yes, thank you. I was going to stop spelling it. If you're still listening to us, then you know how it's spelled now. I thought I'd help you out, kid. All right. If you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Loronos on Instagram and Twitter, mostly Twitter. I don't really Instagram a lot. And then follow the Geek Broadcast on Twitter at the Geeks Broads Pod. Did I say that right? Yes. Geek Broads Pod. Follow us there. And we are officially on Apple Pod. So follow us there. Do all the rate review, subscribe stuff. Please, please, please. It helps us get more uh, noticed. So if you could do that, that'd be wonderful. And then we're also on Google Play, Spotify, all the bigger 
platforms as well. So go ahead, follow us on all those. And as always, stay geeky, everybody. Until next time, later. Thank you.